Welcome to the Halderman Podcast. I'm your host, Robert McNamara, and today we will be speaking about the wind farms in the Midwest. I'm joined by Nolan Sampson, the Director of Business Development with the Halderman Companies out of LaPorte, Indiana. Nolan, why don't we start with you telling us a little about yourself? Sure. Thanks, Robert, for having me on today. Uh, like you said, I'm the Director of Business Development for the Halderman Companies, and I've been here for, it's been about two years. I started at the beginning of uh, the pandemic that April 1st. So it's been a wild ride with that, but really enjoying it so far. A little bit more, I grew up on a, on a small grain farm in Laporte. Mom and dad still grain farm and I uh, raised some freezer beef cattle. I've got a daughter, her name's Doris, and we really enjoy doing that together and also operate a small grain farm. When I graduated, I bought 250 acres and still operate that and grow things like um, popcorn and seed beans. That's great. Sounds like you're pretty diversified. Yeah, I I try to stay busy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, livestock's 24-7, so that'll keep you plenty busy. Absolutely. So getting into some of the new green energy that's uh, been getting developed, we had a podcast earlier with Colton Yeager on solar, and now wind's becoming a bigger factor. I know just Two weeks ago, I had someone reach out to me about wanting to lease some land in Ohio for a wind farm. So I figured we'd talk about that. Why, in your opinion, has wind energy been increasing to areas that have not had wind turbines in the past? You know, Robert, I think that between solar and wind, that there are companies out there just looking to fill that energy void that we're starting to see with some of the older coal-fired plants being shut down. It's been um, an interesting thing to be a part of. I know you said you talked to Colton a few weeks ago on solar and, um, you know, we started that right around the same time we started. I guess it would have been that June or July that we started doing some leasing with that. You know, even in our area in Indiana, um, NIPSCO is our local power provider and they've got a natural gas powered plant in Michigan City that's scheduled to be shut down. And down in Wheatfield, there's a, another plant that they're shutting down. And I feel like everybody thought that this green energy movement, the panels and the wind turbines would come along a little faster. And we haven't quite got to that step yet where that's able to take over what was being produced traditionally with the coal and natural gas. And so there's a lot of companies out there that are either developing and going to operate it themselves, or there's some speculation going on groups trying to put projects together and then sell them off to some of the larger companies that'll operate them. And um, there's, there's certainly a demand for it. And um, if, if you've been watching the news lately, there's always something in there about the potential for rolling brownouts or blackouts in certain areas. If, uh, if this summer was really hot, fortunately, I didn't hear a whole lot about that this summer of that becoming a reality, but There were different energy sectors, I know, up in Michigan where they were sending things out to their customers saying, look, we might have brownouts, and if that happens, this is what to expect. And (laughs) a long answer to your question is, I think there's just, there's an ever-growing energy demand. Uh, We're not quite there yet with what we currently have and just trying to fill that void. What size of farms are these companies looking for to put wind turbines on? I, uh, I worked on a, on a wind project out in Iowa. Uh, it's interesting with solar, we were targeting specific landowners and in a very specific area. 
Whereas with the wind, there's a pretty large general area we were looking in. And so I'd say we were exploring the southern half or southern quarter of a whole county. So we're looking at a at an 18,000 acre block and trying to get just as many landowners signed on in there as possible and trying to make it as contiguous as possible. But I'd say as, at an individual farm level, they're interested in a farm that's 80 plus acres. But in order to place the turbine strategically and do their studies, they're looking to have a large land base to choose from. And then, you know, they'll do their studies and figure out where the best places are to put those turbines on. And then they'll execute those options based on based on what they find with their wind studies. And with if it was somebody just owned uh, 80 acres, how many turbines do you think through the development process they would end up having on their farm? Sure. I would say that with an 80 acre tract, I think a guy has the opportunity to have maybe one or two. I think two would be the maximum that they would put that close together. Um, but more likely scenario, it would be one wind turbine. Uh, on solar farms, the company is normally leased the land on a per acre basis. But to my understanding, wind companies paid the landowners differently. Can you explain how the landowner gets paid and maybe what some of the common lease rates are? Sure. So yeah, you're exactly right. On the solar, um, they're getting a, a dollar per acre value for leasing that land out. Whereas on the wind, the the bulk majority of that payment is going to be a dollar per megawatt for the tower. And so from my understanding, these towers are three to five megawatts. A figure that wouldn't be too uncommon would be somewhere in that three to $5,000 per megawatt. So if it's a three megawatt tower, a little bit smaller, and it's a $5,000 per megawatt, that landowner would be receiving that $15,000 payment annually. And then like the solar farms, I think they have an escalator built in there. So that might be somewhere between one and 3% annually. And then of course, there are some farms that uh, a landowner might sign on and may not get a wind turbine, but if the company has to run the uh, energy collections for wires and things like that, or put a road across their farm, then they're going to get an easement payment for that as well. Yeah, that kind of rolls into my next question. Other than the wind turbines themselves, you know, you mentioned roads, other infrastructure. You know, tell us a little bit about how that works, what, what some examples would be. Sure. So each of those towers is going to be generating a pretty good amount of electricity. And so they're going to, they're going to connect all those towers and that's going to span, it could be miles apart. And so uh, they're going to try and do as close to a straight line or get everything as centrally located as possible. So they're going to run power lines across a guy's farm and it may be above or below ground. They'll have an access road so that maintenance can be performed on each one of those wind towers and then at some point they'll also have um, a transfer station to where they can take the power that those wind turbines are generating and put it on the transmission line so they'll have a probably a three to five acre parcel that they would purchase from someone and then build that station on to get that power up to the transmission line to distribute to uh, the end users. So there's a lot more than just the turbine being out there in the field. Right. 
That's interesting. Uh, what are some protections that landowners have uh, if something were to happen, you know, the wind turbine, wind energy doesn't become a viable form of energy and uh, maybe something happens with the company financially and they're no longer making payments? Sure. So something that would be important for a landowner to make sure that that um, contract that they are looking at has is it's called a surety bond. Um, and that bond is in place to protect the landowner in that exact event that something like that happens to the company. It's, it's an unlikely scenario. I feel like a lot of these companies today um, have done their homework on what it takes financially to make these projects viable. And they've got some good backers and banks that are going to make sure that this project, these projects are successful. But that surety bond is like an insurance policy that says, hey, if for some reason they quit paying you the money that you're expecting in this contract, this, this pot of money is going to be there to pay the, the normal annual fee that you expect, and it'll provide the money to decommission that project. So that money will be there to take that wind turbine down and, and take that take the infrastructure out, the road out that was on your land that you expected to be paid on. Yeah, that probably makes the landowner feel more comfortable when they're signing an agreement. Sure. And, you know, that's something I'm, I'm not an attorney, Robert. And when I'm out in the field talking to landowners, I can't stress enough how important it is for them to find a good attorney that's familiar with these projects and just have them take a look at the language that's in, in these contracts to make sure that they're protected because the last thing anybody wants to do is get somebody signed on to something that they don't understand and down the road there's hard feelings because of it. So um, that's that's one of my main recommendations is get a good attorney, have them walk through the contract with you, ask as many questions as you can and you know make sure that language is in place in that contract that that you and the attorney feel will protect you. Yeah, that's a good point. And I have heard from some people that were in this situation, they've even had the solar company offer to pay for their attorney to review it. That's not much of a risk if someone else is going to pay your attorney. You might as well that's, get it in front that, of them. That's right. And, you know, it's it's to the uh, it's to the wind company's benefit to have the attorney look at it because it's they're more likely to get guys to sign on if they're more comfortable with the contract and landowners don't want to go out and spend money for contract review for something that isn't their project, if that makes sense. So once these projects are built, who purchases the electricity that's generated? Yeah. So that's a good question. I, I get that a lot out in the field. So the energy that's produced by the wind turbines is going to be very similar to the energy that's produced by a coal powered coal-fired plant or a gas-fired plant, um, that unit of, of electricity is going to go on a wholesale market for those local energy providers to purchase. Now, I do know that there are some circumstances where that energy may be earmarked for something specific like a, a, a manufacturing of some kind or maybe a server farm that one of the major tech companies has. But for the most part, in the in the work that we've been doing, it it's just to go on that wholesale market for the local energy providers. Well, is there any other information that you'd like to share with us today about all that you've learned through these 
wind leasing process? You know, I, I can't think of anything specific, Robert, but that's definitely an interesting time. There's a lot, a lot of exciting things going on in a lot of areas. And, you know, I, I encourage that to be a conversation that all farm families have if they get approached is how can this help achieve your goals? You know, if, if you're looking to retire, you're in your sixties or seventies and you don't have somebody coming back to the farm that could provide a viable option for helping to fund your retirement. Or if you're a younger guy and you got kids that do want to come back to farm, how can a, a wind turbine add some certainty to the operation that might allow you to bring kids back or upgrade your equipment line? There's some opportunities and I, I understand it's not for everybody. And some people have farms that it's their prize farm and they spent their whole life working for it. And maybe they don't want to look at them and, and that's totally fine too. But a lot of good opportunities out there. And, you know, if there's anything we at Halderman can do to help evaluate these, um, we've got some experience helping with the leasing process with the companies. And then we've got a lot of representatives such as yourself that are helping your clients determine if it's good for for a fit for their farm or not. And uh, yeah, so anything we can do to be of help, I know I'm willing to, and uh, colleagues, Colton, um, Josh, Joe, the guys on the energy team are all willing and local reps. So anything we can do to help out, just reach out. That's great. Thanks Nolan for joining me today and all the valuable information. Absolutely. Appreciate it. If you'd like to learn more about the Holderman companies or contact someone on the Holderman team, please visit Holderman.com.